from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, verses 1 through 12. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments, and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. The word of God for the people of God. It on? Now I'm on. I've been on this whole time and they muted me. Thank you guys. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to use this mic at some point, too. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Clay, and it is so good to be with you today. I have never been a part of a mid-year move. This has been quite a bit chaotic for me. Normally, I would stand up, you know, my first Sunday, expecting it to be, you know, sometime in July, and I would probably tell you something like my call story or a little bit more about myself than I'm going to today. But, but today, my first sermon gets to be in the middle of a stewardship campaign. So, <laughs> lucky for you, <laughs> I, I'll, I'm sure I'll have lots of other opportunities to share, you know, stories about myself and, and things like that. I will say this, I have been connected with your church for a very long time. Gary Formby was my pastor when I was in middle school. I've known Brian Erickson since he first came here when he followed Kip. Uh, in fact, I talked with him this morning, and Arthur and I have been really close friends for a, a long time. All three of my kids did go to preschool here, so I kind of already knew some of the folks. And there's a handful of folks who might even be in this room right now that I knew from Calera. So I, I spent a few years down there as the youth pastor, which is when I met Reed, by the way. I think he was in 10th grade maybe when I met him, so <laughs> he has not changed. <laughs> not very much. 
So today we get to talk about money. I know a lot of pastors that outsource talking about money. They don't feel comfortable doing so. I will say that I don't have that problem. I, it's not that I'm going to stand up and beat people up about they better give 10% or anything like that. But the, the, the truth of the matter is Jesus talked a lot about money. And I think he did so because he knows that we are broken, right? From all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, we live in a broken world. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationships with each other are broken. Our relationship with creation is broken. And our relationship with the world is broken. And there are few things that can amplify that brokenness or heal that brokenness the way that our relationship with money can. And I think that's why Jesus talked about it all the time, not because he wanted to make sure that the, the temple was funded properly, although sometimes that's important. I mean, we got to pay the bills, but, but because he recognizes that the way we approach money in our lives is a step towards either healing or further hurting. And so I thought we would talk about that today, but the text, and I'm really glad that Reed and Terry chose this text. It's probably not one that I would have otherwise taken on, but I feel like it steps back away from money just a little bit to give us a really good foundation to then move forward and, and talk more meaningfully about that in the coming weeks. And so this is one of those texts that you all have heard before, and Jan did a wonderful job with the children's moment preaching the whole sermon. And so I'm just going to sit down. Er no, no, no. This is a text that preaches itself, right? You don't need me to stand up here and tell you that being connected to the vine is a metaphor that Jesus is using to talk about us being connected to the source of all life, right? Our creator and our sustainer, right? The God who made the universe and loves each one of us individually, the one who loves us so much that he gave his only son on our behalf. You don't need me to share that, but as I read this text this week, a couple of questions did pop up. One is why, and the other is how. And, and I think we would probably intuitively know the answers to some of those things, right? We're going to say, well, how do you stay connected to the vine? Well, you, you pray, you read your scriptures, things like that. But as is often the case, the answers are found in the context of our scripture. And it, it shook me, just it didn't shake me, but it, it surprised me just a little bit about what they are. And so I want to start this sermon by looking at, at the why question first. Why do we stay connected to God? And, and then move to the how toward the end to get a little practical. And I want to work kind of backwards from the bottom of this text up. So when you look at it, in verse 11 he says why he said these things. He said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete, or your version of the Bible might say full, right? That your joy might be full. This is the same kind of language Jesus used just five chapters earlier when he said, I've come that you would have life and have it to the full or abundant life, right? And that seems counterintuitive because it seems like if you take your full glass and give some out of it to church, to charity, to whoever, then it would have less. But Jesus, I believe, is saying that in giving, in staying connected with God, we have more, that our cup stays fuller, that our joy remains fuller. 
it's, it's exceedingly difficult to come to a church on your very first day and preach about giving because what I want to do is I want to draw examples of all the ways that we're serving in the community, right? All the good things that this church is doing. And I know that it's a lot, but I don't know all of those things because I'm still brand new right now. But I do know a couple of things. As I said, my kids all went to preschool here, and I have a picture. I think it's the black and white one, if you guys can throw that up, if it's, uh, if it's even possible. If not, it is right here, and y'all let me know if it pops up. There it is. Uh, Jeannie Walls snapped this picture of me uh, without my knowing one day, and I saw it on the screen at their preschool graduation or Christmas program or something, I can't remember. And it has been hanging in my office ever since then. Um, today, Robert is 18, and Mac is 16, and I got a haircut. And, <laughs> and I tucked my shirt in, and I'm wearing closed-toed, oh, I'm wearing closed-toed shoes in that picture, too. I say that because I know that this church has done a great job of loving kids for a very long time, and I am a firsthand example of that, right? And, and I hope that that's something that we continue and grow and do even better job moving forward, right? Because I, I'm, I'm a firm believer when Jesus said, you know, the greatest in the kingdom of the heaven are, are the kids, and he said, let them come to me. I'm, I'm going to live on that for a little while at least. And so I, I just want to say thank you guys, and I will say that it brings me great joy, as our text says, to be in a place where we're doing that kind of ministry. When, when the DS, Rick, asked me sometime back this summer if, if I felt like Alabaster might be a good fit and if I would be open to it, I was very eager because I know the work that you all have done and do with children. Um, th then there's one more thing that brings me great joy, and it's this picture here, which I did not expect to share with you, but uh, that's the doorway to my office, and I found that this morning, and uh, the joke there is that they named me Casey and Carrie, which are my two brothers' names, and I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure Rachel did that. What you can't see is glitter all over the floor and glitter all over my desk. I will say, I absolutely love walking into that on a Sunday morning and being surprised. I, I didn't come in Thursday. I almost came in yesterday, and, and I didn't. Uh, otherwise, I would have seen it. But I, I got to say, it was such a great joy for that surprise for me this morning. And uh, I would recruit all of you to help me get Rachel back at some point coming up soon. I, I love a good, uh, a good prank, and this is going to be, it's nice to know your first week that this is what we're going to do, okay? I mean, let's just, so the first is counterintuitive, but it's joy, that the more we give, the more our joy is full, right? Okay, working backwards up the text, now I'm looking in verse 8, I want to say the next word that really jumped out to me was glory, that my Father is glorified when we do this. When we stay connected to the vine, God is glorified. And look, y'all know people like this, right? You know people that never have a negative word to say about someone else. 
who seem bomb-proof, unshakable, right? When, when life is crazy, when COVID is happening, when finances are tight, when whatever the case, there's that person that you know who's like, hey, you know what, we're gonna be cool, everything is gonna be fine. They're probably the person that you go to for sage counsel and wise advice, and when you need something, they're the ones that you're gonna reach out to, and they're gonna help you out a lot. When I was at Calera, we had a drummer, and I don't know if he's ever been here before, but his name was Philip Johnson, and he was just a phenomenal drummer. And um, he had two daughters at the time that, you know, were, they were little and they were shy, and, and sometimes their mom wasn't with them at church, and, and we were in a, in a space very similar to this one, and they would kind of sit on the front row, maybe on a corner, and, and often during the middle of singing, one of them would go up to sit by him behind the drum shield, right? We had the drum shield with the real drum kit and everything like that. And I'm telling y'all, you would not know it unless you paid attention to it. He would put a drumstick down, he would keep playing Def Leppard style with one hand, and then he would hold his daughter's hand through the rest of the set. And I remember thinking, I mean, and you would never see his emotions go up or go down. It was just always like this, which is what you need in a drummer, right, folks? Right? Someone who is absolutely unshakable. I mean, you would not know it that he kept the time. And I believe that when we stay connected to God, that we get a little bit of that, that we become people who back up to 30,000 feet and get a little bit bigger view of the world, of our problems, of whatever it is that seems to be tossing the sea at this given moment, that, that we become a little more bomb-proof and a little less apt to whatever is going on, and, and that that gives God glory. And, and let me go one step further with that, if I may. <clears throat> if we are going to be a church that makes a difference in this community, we need to be a church full of people like that, right? If we are not, then there is no reason for anyone to come to us for counsel, advice, help. If we're just going to be as stressed out as everyone else is, then, then we're not going to be good to anyone, right? And so let me invite you all to find your source in God our Creator, not in cable news, not in social media, not in what, I mean, I, I could name a whole bunch of things and I probably already hurt half of the room's feelings. So. I just want to invite you guys to that. And then the, the last word that jumped out to me is the one that you probably thought I was going to lead with. It's the one that's most obvious, at least if we're going to talk about stewardship. And that is um, in verse 5. He said, those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. And so the word that I would kind of like meditate on a little bit is, is the word grow. Fruit is the obvious outgrowth of growth. When Jesus told the story of the, of the sower of seeds, right, there's, there's lots of seeds that get scattered, but only some of them mature to a point that they produce fruit. The others, for whatever reason, whether it's rocks or birds or thorns or, or whatever those metaphors really mean in our own lives, you know, the cares of the world and trials and temptations and all those things, prevent us from growing up to be the people that God has made us to be. And let me just say this right out front, because y'all are going to hear me say this a whole lot. I think the reason we're here is to grow. I think it's what Jesus talked about when he's talking about this. I think it's what he's talking about when he said, follow me. I think it's what James is talking about when he says, persevere through trials and temptations. It's what Paul meant when he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's what Wesley meant when he said, um, 
uh, not prevenient grace, but sanctification, right? The, it's, it's not over when we're 12 years old and we come down to the altar and give our lives to Jesus. That's the beginning, right? It, until we can all say that we've been made perfect in love, right? If we can love God with our whole heart, strength, and mind, and love our neighbors as ourselves, until we can say that, we all have some growing up left to do, and I think that's why we're here. And so, this idea that those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, that, that, that's how we grow, that we stay connected to God. Now the obvious question is, how? How, how do we do that? And as I said at the beginning, I started to write this sermon, and I started to write things like, well, you, you pray, you read your scriptures, you fast, you know, you, all the things, and those are all good things, and, and those are things that we should do, but that is not the how that Jesus gave in this passage. The how that he gave is to love, and it's the very last thing he said. He's also said it several other times, you know, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in that love. But then the very last thing he says is, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this should not be a surprise to us. Jesus said that's the most important thing, right? He said that's the thing that sums up the whole rest of the Scriptures, at least the whole rest of the Scriptures that had been written up until that point, right? Every, everything can be summarized when we love, which is kind of what I was getting at a minute ago. When we grow into the people who really can love God with our whole heart, right? And strength and mind and pocketbooks and calendars and all, all the other things in our lives, if we can love God with all of that, then we've gotten there. And until then, we all have some growth yet ahead of us. And until we can love our neighbor the way that we love ourselves, and let me go one step further and say that we can love ourselves the way God loves ourselves, then, then we have some growth yet to do. And so this is the call. The call is to love. It's not to be right. It's not to have, you know, the best knowledge of the Bible verses or, or whatever. It's, it's not to have the most followers. It's, it's to love. That's what it is. And so my prayer for you guys today and for me every day is that we grow up into people who love and that this church all around town is known by how well we love. Gosh, may it be so. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We thank you for a place where we can come, where we can grow, where we can love, where we can be loved, where we can be challenged. I thank you for all the good things going on in this church, all the ways that you provide for us. God, there are certainly scary things on the horizon, and, and it's not that there is not reason for us to be anxious, but it's that when we rise up just a little bit and we put our trust in you, we recognize that you're going to be with us, that you are with us, that you always have been with us, and that you will be with us tomorrow. God, teach us to love, and I thank you for this opportunity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.